Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, here we go again. The only podcast that has a certain person with a uh, imaginary friend that thinks you're stupid. <laughs> so let's get rolling and let's get going. And uh, Ed, what do you got for a great email this week? Man, we have a great email. It is awesome. It Ready is for fire. I mean, it is, it is, you know, warp speed, Mr. Zulu. This is from Josh from Stanford, Connecticut. This is brought to you by GoonGuard, GoonGuard.com. Right here, buy them, discount code 1973, best mouth guards around. Check them out, check them out. Here you go, GoonGuard.com. Check them out. Set up in the microwave in 10 seconds or, or sooner than that, okay? So this is from Josh. He goes, what, in your opinion, is the greatest cage match of all time? And what elements or moments made it stand out from the rest? P.S. Never mentioned the passing of Killer Khan. Josh from Stanford, Connecticut. Josh, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate the email. That is right up, and I know in just about everybody's wheelhouse in this one. I'm going to kick it to you guys first, so go right ahead. I am going to – we're going to kick this to the, the, the youngsters, the young bucks, to start this the one. The young bucks. Oh, why do you have to bring them up, man? <laughs> Brad, you want to weigh in? You want to start? I, I'll, I'll start, man. I mean, I, I think modern era, the cage matches have kind of lost intensity a little bit. I think especially with the PG-ness of WWE, the, a cage match can kind of get a little uh, – can kind of drone on a little bit, I think. They're, you know, without that brutality, that ECW extreme – kind of, you know, no holds barred mentality that usually used to come with the cage match. So whenever I think of cage matches, it's like the attitude error was it, man. Like the cage matches and the attitude error for me, it was always Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian. They met up on a couple of different occasions and they would just, that was that era where I don't know if they were drugged up or coked up or just high off adrenaline, but they would always leave everything in the ring. High flying, acrobatics, uh, it, it was just an amazing show. And now if I want to even go back even further than that, I think like Bret Hart, Owen Hart, when they had their cage match, that was just kind of like this sentimental tugging at your heartstring, the brothers fighting and it's such well done and, and booked and well written that I, I think that was just a really, uh, that was a really good match. So for me, Kevin Hart, Owen Hart for like the old school. Can I say that? Is that old school? So and not, not Kevin Hart. You're talking about Bret Hart and Owen Hart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bret Hart and Owen Hart. And then, uh, did I say Kevin Hart? Oh, yeah, you did. Oh, <laughs> shit. So I don't even realize, man. No bourbon today. That's why. Oh. And this is not the Shea Shea podcast, bro. Come on now. Yeah, I yeah, know, yeah. oh, right? Ugh. Come on, man. So, but, uh, so you Bret, pick Bret your... Hart, Owen Hart, and then Edge and Christian versus Hardy Boys and, and everything like that for me. Uh, Chris, what do you got? Well, first off, I just want to say, Brad, that is one sexy bitch over your shoulder, buddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'll touch on Killer Khan real quick. I don't know much about him. Um, last match, 1987. I know that year I was born. Uh, I was five. <laughs> went out and uh, ended up opening his own restaurant in Tokyo, which I thought was pretty cool for, you know, to yeah. uh, finish off his life. And uh, so obviously entrepreneur, good guy, definitely. Um, Josh, what a great ass question from Stanford. Global headquarters of the WWE, Stanford, Connecticut. Kind of strange, uh, huh? Yeah, right? And uh, obviously a huge wrestling fan. Uh, first thing I thought was cage matches. When I think of a cage match, I'm I'm bringing in Hell in the Cell. You know, I'm bringing in maybe even Elimination Chamber. That's all some type of cage. 
Uh, if we're talking just strictly cage matches where you got to climb out of or, or get out the door, uh, one of my favorites was 1999, of course, Attitude Era. Uh, it was the St. Valentine's uh, Massacre in your house, Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. What other opportunity could you have to beat the shit out of your boss and then still have your job the next day, right? Um, another one that I got like to mention, I think it was an 03, if I'm not mistaken. It was a big show in Braun Strowman. Not two of my favorite wrestlers by any means, but um, just to see two behemoths of men weighing close to 600 pounds combined, you know, and I, I believe it was Strowman after the match put through big show uh, he did his maneuver like through the cage and the whole cage, half of the cage came right off. They broke the and ring. Had, yeah, yeah. Well, that was yeah. like a, a couple of weeks before. Yeah, they broke the ring too. Mm -hmm. But then that cage match, I remember Braun Strowman just, you know, going right through the cage with Big Show on his shoulder, which was pretty yep. sick. So I would say those would probably go down to my two favorite like wow moments for cage matches, definitely. Ed, what do you got? Well, first and foremost, I am so I am I am shocked and amazed by you guys. I can't believe this. I really can't. You guys, hell in the cell? Come on, guys. Like, <laughs> that was the greatest one ever. I mean, how can you not? Like, I mean, I mean, anybody that watched that one, I mean, come on, man. Mankind, get, you know, getting thrown off the top of the cage. Man, that, he, he looked like he died. You can't, you, you, you can't do that. I'm telling you, I mean, and I got a couple other ones. Just want to touch base. Brad, totally agree with you. Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, that brother versus brother. That, I mean, I, I remember that just barely. That um, You know, and I, if I remember correctly, they did do a slow build on that one. Um, mm -hmm. And they really kind of really nailed it out nicely. Uh, number three, Andy, this is going to touch you. Ric Flair, Harley Race, Starcade 1983 for the NWA World Championship. Uh, with Gordon Soley as the announcer on on color commentary, and then number four, I'm gonna go with Road Warriors, Nikita, Dusty, and the versus the Horsemen. That was a pretty good one. And then honorable mention, Andy. I know this is gonna touch you as well. 1986 Starcade, not a cage match. However, scaffold match. Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express. Mm. Uh, some throwbacks, Ed. All right, Thomas. We gotta clean this mess up. This is, this is terrible. The question is a cage match, okay? Yeah. A dog collar match is not a Russian chain match. Just because it's got a fence does not make it a cage match. A hell in a cell is called a hell in a cell for a reason. They had a whole pay-per-view about it. Not uh, a cage. Wood it's game. a cage, Andy. No, 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 no. It's not a hell cage. Hell in a cell is closed in. It's, it's different. It's different. And when we're talking cage matches, I'm a traditionalist. It's not escape from the cage. That's WWE bullshit. It's you got to pin him in the cage. No outside interference. Let's go. Two men enter, one man leaves. That's it. War Games is not a cage match. Elimination Chamber is not a cage match. Tom, correct me if I'm wrong. Am I still on? All not cage matches. I agree. Mm -hmm. And I don't do big blue cage. I don't do big black cage. It's straight fence, and that's it. If my pick, greatest cage match of all time, Tully Blanchard versus Magnum TA in a cage, the epic ending to what a saga that was. It was almost a year run for the U.S. title. What a finish. They had them quit in the cage. Magnum TA breaks a piece of the chair and tries to poke it in Tully Blanchard's eye. What an awesome thing to see in 1984. 
It was unbelievable. That's my greatest cage match of all time with honorable mention to a uh, cage match that's near and dear to my heart, Jimmy Snuka, Don Morocco. The, the cage match that set the whole wrestling world on fire a year before Hulkamania took over WWF. That's my rant. Killicon, thoughts on Killicon, greatest angle for Andre. Other than the Hogan one was when Killicon showed up. Nobody had ever seen him before. Broke Andre's leg. Kids were crying on TV. It was unbelievable. It was a big angle to get Andre to a uh, spot where he could have surgery. Fantastic angle, Killicon, Andre the Giant. That's great. Go back and watch Deep Dive. It's probably on YouTube. That's my Killicon memory. But he had a small run at WWE twice, once around 1980 and once with Hogan around 86. That's my thoughts. Tom, clean this mess up, please. Real quick, real quick. I know you mentioned about setting things on fire. You just made me get a good idea about that locker room behind you. <laughs> oh. Oh. Thomas. Well, I'm not to sound like the cranky old man, but are in the mail. As, as much as I like the Mick Foley, Undertaker, Hell in the Cell, if you want to even call it a cage match, it killed all cage matches after that because the crowd... Every cage match now, the crowd expects some stupid shit like that where, and they get mm -hmm. pissed. And if somebody doesn't get thrown off the top of the cage, it's automatically they've, they're, they're not even paying attention to the match anymore. So I'm going to just right there. That's my little rant on that. But my favorite cage match of all time, Ric Flair versus Kerry Von Erich. I believe it was 1982. And uh, Christmas night. Was it a great match? Good but year. it started the whole Von Eric Freebird feud because Michael Hayes was the enforcer mm. and Terry Gordy got involved and it ended up slamming the cage on Kerry's head and it started the whole feud. So I I, I like going with the matches that have the, the cage matches that have like a storyline to it. Like I, I love the Tully Magnum uh, one. That was probably my second pick. And then another one I really liked was uh, old school was Backlund versus Snooker. 1982 Madison Square Garden, and everybody mm. remembers Snooker jumping off the top of the cage against Don Morocco. Well, this is the first time, this was three years before that, Snooker climbed the top of the cage and Backlund moved. So yep. this was really his first, I don't know, I don't want to say it was the first attempt at it. It's the first time I remember seeing or hearing about it. So those, yeah. those are my favorites. The the Just to touch on that match, Tom, the, the thing that people never saw was Jimmy Snooker as a bad guy. The first time he came to the WWF, he was a bad guy. He challenged Bob Backlund. They they used to have a three month program, three usually months of a uh, of a uh, bad guy chasing the champion. That was the formula, and then it usually would end with some kind of uh, blow off with a cage match or or a, a get. We'll call it a gimmick match to kind of keep the the belt on the champion. So um, thoughts on Killicon, Tom? Before we move on. The guy, and it's funny, what this was going back to when I was a kid, used to scare the hell out of me, just the look he had. And I love that they had, I mean, he's had a ton of different managers. I mean, he had Freddie Blassie, he had Skandar Ak Akbar, he had Mr. Fuji. I mean, he was just, he was just a guy that he had that look. I mean, I think he, they had him listed at 6'5", 300 pounds, and he was just a big bastard. And I like what you said about the Andre feud. That was, I never knew this until I looked this up. This was named the uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated Feud of the Year that yep. year. I, that yep. was something I – who would have ever thought that Andre would be in something like that? I mean, yeah. because he was he was more of a spectacle than anything. Like, he, you're never going to get, like, a uh, 
technical Chris Benoit type match out of him. Yeah, and, if you uh, if you go back and you look at it, yeah, I know everything's on YouTube. It it it'll pop up every now and then before WWE takes stuff down. So you got to catch it while it's up and watch it. But um, I'm sure it's there now because he recently passed. Uh, that that angle that they did, nobody had ever seen Andre in 1980 vulnerable like that Andre was always the guy that was like the enforcer to end a feud somebody would grab him as a tag team partner to end a feud with you know somebody was outnumbered against the group and Andre was the big you know guy that would come into a territory when territories were still around and Andre wasn't exclusive to WWF he he went around the territories so um yeah you'll see uh, I don't know if they'll show the clip of it, but there were kids crying in the audience because they couldn't be believe that Killicon was doing that to Andre. They took him out on the stretcher, and actually it led up to the blow-off match for that being a stretcher match. So that was something that you don't see that even too often anymore. There's some really good gimmick matches that, with the story done correctly, you could, you could work that in well. And, and that's why I don't get why the one wrestling fans don't like stuff simmering on the pot. It's because uh, everybody needs that instant gratification. That's why I think it bothers people like uh, with the devil gimmick going on. They they think it it's taking too long. No, it's not. It's, it's, you might not like the outcome, but it's simmering. It's getting you interested that you want to see when the ending's going to be kind of like, you know, the end of the bloodline and they're doing a great yeah. job with that. So speaking of that, let's parlay right into the uh, wrestling talk. Brad, Seth Rollins, give us your thoughts on the current Seth Rollins deal. Monday night Rollins. Uh, yeah, the word on the street is that he sustained a pretty serious knee injury last Monday night against in a meaningless match against Jinder Mahal. Uh, I mean, it was a good match, you know, for for what it was, um, especially for Monday night, you know, TV. But um, this Monday night in New Orleans where I will be reporting live. Um, he is supposed to address the crowd and they are going to you know, basically, you know, say what they're going to do with this championship. I, I don't know. Are they going to vacate it? What are your guys thoughts? They're going to vacate. Should they vacate? Uh, maybe they should spin up a match for all rumble. Maybe this is a move where he could take a little bit of family leave. And they have, they've had all this returning talent. Now, now they have somewhere to put CM Punk and someone else to fight for this, this title. And it kind of, you know, clears the way a little bit there for these other guys that just came back. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, you want me to give me a quick, uh, quick booking on that? Let, let, let me uh, throw this one at you. Seth Rollins can't do anything. Put the belt up for grabs for the winner of the Royal Rumble. What do you think? A la Ric Flair in 91, 92, whatever. Well, the winner of the Rumble, I mean, if it turns out to be Cody Rhodes, you know, back to back, you know, he has his his eyes set on Roman Reigns. But that that whole area is kind of getting convoluted right now with the return of uh, Randy Orton and AJ Styles and uh, LA Knight now. But I, I, th I think they need to do something with that, that title. It, it needs to be like a CM Punk, somebody else wrestling for it to, to take that pressure off of them going after Roman Reigns. That way Cody Rhodes can still – pursue you know the the universal champ whatever they're calling it now these these days so he can finish his story right so i don't know man like we'll we'll see chris yeah i'm a little i'm a little surprised that they uh got him booked to come on monday night raw and make some kind of announcement already um i thought they would try to 
maybe play it a little slow. Um, I know it's what is a torn MCL and something with the meniscus or something meniscus, like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know they could have, they have some time bought out. I mean, he's not, he's not scheduled for a match at Royal Rumble. So, you know, they could kind of stretch it out and wait a little bit and see final reports and exactly what they're going to do before making a decision. But if he's going to come out on Monday, I mean, to me, it sounds like either he's going to say, I'm going to be gone for a little bit. They're going to do something with the title or it's going to be, you know, I'm going to stick around and do what? Like, the, the, I'm sure they don't have answers yet of how they're going to treat anything. So, uh, seeming like they're going to move on from that real quick and get the title in someone else's hands. Um, I know Andy always likes to make these predictions of his. I'm not going to say they're bad ones. <laughs> they always sound pretty good. <laughs> so, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, that's a, that's a big hit, you know, to just – change plans like that last minute that's it's tough to do obviously so as we're recording i believe uh tom um the Royal rumble is next saturday yep yep so uh with our episode being the 50th episode next week with our eclectic group we don't know how much wrestling talk we're going to get in but we'll we'll keep we'll keep our postings kind of you know going after that but uh, tom what are your thoughts on the whole scene going into Royal Rumble. What you got anything? I think it's gonna be interesting because word on the street is Brock Lesnar is coming back anytime. And you know Brock doesn't come back unless he's thrown into something big. So mm. I've got a feeling and I've got to say he is gonna come back. And if they want to throw CM Punk and get him instant, I don't say because he's already recognized it's not recognition, but if they want to give him street cred, they can have those two fight. And if they want to give Depending on who's in, if CM Punk's truly in good standing with Triple H, they could give him the belt there and have him beat CM Punk, have him beat Lesnar and get instant uh, recognition. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I I think CM Punk kind of uh, he loves to do stuff that's kind of like a story in a story. When he said to Drew McIntyre, he used a line from Commando, like a uh, uh, when he says, uh, "You're funny. I'm gonna. That's why I'm gonna kill you last." <laughs> so, so he said that to Drew McIntyre. You're funny. That's why I'm going to throw you out last <laughs> in the Royal Rumble. So you know, in Commando, what he did was he threw that guy. He killed that guy first. Yeah. So the first guy that's going to get thrown out by CM Punk is McIntyre. So you know, mm. you're, you're such a pop culture purist, and if you get these these intricate details, that when somebody's telling a story, and that's why. You watch that stuff with the young bucks and you're like, you guys haven't drawn a freaking dime. This guy was your biggest ticket mover, merchandise and on TV. And you pushed him out to go to WWE when nobody think thought that he would go back. And he was the biggest social media move they've ever had in the history of the company. And just think of all the big things that they've done over the years. It's it's crazy how, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And, and credit to, that's why I told you that this is probably the first time in my life I'm rooting for WWE in, in the history of watching wrestling. So it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting, especially if you have, some, we're not talking any women's Royal Rumble. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. No. We're talking, we're talking men's Royal Rumble. You, yeah. you, got, you got MJF that could show up. You got... Brock Lesnar that could show up. You've got some guys that 
on even in the mix that could show up, you know, some surprises here and there. Andrade is still kind of floating in the wind, right? Right, right. So, yeah. uh, you there's know, a, they, um, there's a Japanese guy, uh, Okada, Okada. who has, he just finished up over in Japan and he's coming to the U.S. and they're, they say he's always wanted to wrestle at WrestleMania. So, imagine if he's in the Royal Rumble. This could be one of the best Royal Rumbles they've had as far as guys showing up that are unannounced. So it's definitely go ahead, Chris. Uh, I just I want to change my Royal Rumble pick. By the way, I know I went with Cody Rhodes. I'm sorry. I gotta I gotta choose an audible here. Oh, wow, you going with Dustin Rhodes? No, I want <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. I'm I'm really like getting into that Damian Priest dude. I know he's Money in the Bank. Wouldn't that be cool if he was Mister or Senor Money in the Bank and he won the Royal Rumble? I would love to see. I don't think that's ever been done before. I don't think that's ever been held by. Same person. I'd love to see them do something wild with that. Well, don't, bro. Don't. You want to talk about Damian Priest putting in work and doing everything that the company is asked of? How many times has he had a chance to cash in this money in the bank? And like they're not giving him a chance. Damian Priest is, you know, I think one of those up and coming stars. Like I would love to see maybe him, McIntyre, CM Punk, you know, in, in this a three way battle for that for the championship to take Seth Rollins' title, if I'm being honest with you. I, I think make, if they don't mix in Damian Priest, then they're doing a, a huge disservice to the fans and to, and to Priest, if I'm being honest. So I, I I wanted to throw this one out there just because it popped in my head while we're still talking wrestling before we move on. So uh, Sting's last match is at the uh, pay-per-view. Uh, I believe it's in February. And uh, he doesn't have a challenger, and they're teasing the Young Bucks uh, with – Darby Allen and all that stuff. So I was talking to the Phantom and he asked me who I thought I could book for that match, what I would do. And I threw a couple things at him and he just hit me with something. I got to give credit. So follow me on this one. Sting challenges Samoa Joe for the title in his last match with AEW. He's going to beat Joe. Clear cut, going to beat Joe. Rick Flair screws him. Joe wins to keep the belt. Mm. It's Sting's last match for the, all the history of him being with against the Horsemen mm. and all that stuff. I thought that was fabulous. Imagine the heat that you would get with or the pop from that screw job just just for that. His last match, he gets gets clear cut chance at the title. Boom, Flair screws him. Joe wins. He's all done. Imagine that. Why couldn't the Portuguese family come on and say that himself? Because he doesn't speak English. <laughs> we couldn't get a translator for him. <laughs> so I love please. that angle, though. That's a great angle, man. That is, that is a great angle. So and the thing about it is that you, they could actually really run with that, right? You know, they right. they could really. And the, and the thing about it is, is that I mean, that, that is a great point, and I think that they could really run with it. They could actually give that legs for at least six months. You know, right? But Sting would be done. But you could at least have He's some done, kind of. Done. Like, you could get some hype off of that. And with Sting being done done in February, what's not to say that he doesn't make an appearance at WrestleMania just to be there? He's free, he's free to do whatever he wants. And with you know the new regime over there, everybody's welcome. And everybody's singing Kumbaya going back to uh, WWE. The only thing I saw, uh, the reason why they're pushing the tag match, though, with the Young Bucks is because they just either Sting said it or the, the powers that be think it. He's just too old to kind of carry – you know, a one-on-one -on -one match. So I think, I think Joe could carry him though. 
He's good. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and if he's got to move him around the ring, he's he's a he's a strong bastard. He'll move him around yeah. no problem. Yeah, and AEW then, all elder elderly wrestling. That's what it stands for now. <laughs> there you go, Brad. You need to tag that. <laughs> Thomas. Hey Andy, I got one other thing, uh, not to change the subject because this is wrestling. But uh, did you see uh, they came out with season five, uh, the topics for uh, Dark Side of the Ring? Did mm-hmm. I did? I posted it on the uh, Facebook page. Uh, a couple surprises. The 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 one that uh, Brad and uh, Chris probably will get a kick out of uh, because it was territory based was uh, Black uh, Saturday, yeah. where uh, Vince bought TBS for that short time to push out Georgia championship wrestling. So I don't know how, you know, with these guys passing away that are, were around at that time, it's tough to get a real good insight on some of that stuff, but I'd be nice to reach out to Ole Anderson for that episode and get his take on it. I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll have full tilt filter on that one. So um, yeah, Holly race, uh, Sandman, a couple, couple other ones thrown Buck in. Bagwell, there. Chris Adams. Yeah. Kurt Angle, I think. Right? Yes. Yeah. Perk Angle. Uh, so do you want to cap off the wrestling talk for this week and start, start rolling with some other stuff? Sure. All right. Thomas, take us into the next segment. All right. Tom shitty picks is brought to you by Brock street brewing company located at 244 Brock street South in Whitby, Ontario. The brewery is home to a banquet hall, an on-site restaurant, and a members-only lounge. Everything they brew is done in-house, including their sours, their lagers, and vodka soda. They've got something for everyone. So if you're in Whitby, go check them out and tell them the 1973 podcast sent you. All right. This week, my uh, fantasy pick is probably going to be the last one for football. But seeing that the Lions just won, they're planning to play the 49ers next week. I'm just going to go. I'm going with Jared Goff. I'm going to go with Andy's conspiracy theory that Detroit's going to make the Super Bowl. And I'm going to go with Jared Goff as my pick. No other reason than Andy said they're going to win. So I got to pick somebody from the team. So I'm going with Jared Goff. Uh, just like the Flyers are going to win. So we'll, we'll, you know, speaking of shitty picks, they lost two in a row this weekend. <laughs> but uh, Bradley, you uh, have some stuff you want to talk about with the portal. Yeah, the, the transfer portal, live by the portal, die by the portal. This is the the evolutionary process of college football. It's no longer this pure sport. I'm not hating on these kids. If a coach is granted the opportunity to leave, to go get paid and the schools make millions of dollars off these kids, why can't they do the same thing? So in this process of all the, uh, these coaches retiring, namely Nick Saban, roughly 28 players hit the transfer portal from Alabama. And guess who was there to scoop up their number one player, Ohio state allegedly spent about 13 mil assembling a championship team. Like Ohio State looks scarily unbeatable at this moment. I don't know, you know, what obviously what's going to come of this, but uh, they spend the money. They got the players. Um, so what are you going to do? This is college football now. Play, play the transfer portal. This is the way it is. Their biggest problem, this, their biggest weakness is they just hired Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah. Why? Oh my God, <laughs> Thomas, that is shots fired, man. I mean, Billy O, he's a great, he's a good offensive coordinator. He was a pretty good head football coach too when he was at Penn State. He's all right, but I mean, if you want to put five hundred team, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. They hated him at Bama, so we'll see. They but why they hate him at Alabama? Though that's my question. 
because uh, Bama's got a culture of winning. So if you drop one game in Tuscaloosa, they they think you're you're washed. You know, their their fans are probably the most spoiled in all of, of college sports. But um, I mean, this is this is a transfer portal now. This is the era of college football. You know, yeah. Johnny Manziel started the NIL process, <laughs> selling autographs, and getting paid, made a fortune. Never has to work a day in his life just by selling merch while he the two years he played at Texas A and M. So. You know, me and I talked about this. Running backs get paid. By the time you make it, if you make it to the NFL, you've grounded and pounded so much through high school and college, you got nothing left. Maybe you get a rookie contract. At the end of that, you bounce around three or four more teams, all the, you know, uh, Frank Gore, Zeke Elliott type players, and, and you get a couple one mil, two mil, one year contracts, and then you're done. So get your money, get paid. I don't have any problems with it. If coaches do it, yeah. Yeah, Sorry if that, coaches Brad. do it, players, by all means, if your coach recruits you and then they bounce, leave and follow them if you, if you want, if, if, whether you're getting paid or not. It's it's a sad thing because if you think back, you just think, I mean, players, and right they rightfully, like you say, they should be getting paid. But do you think back a few years, they took the Heisman away from Reggie Bush because he got a car. I mean, it's Give just, it yeah. Give it's it back. Sad. The NCAA is a is a freaking mafia man like they have ruined people's careers they have ruined people's lives like give me a break dude like they're and and they didn't just mess with football players uh go read uh if you guys ever heard steve prefontaine the famous runner yeah he used to challenge the ncaa about getting paid because like he he was a all-star track athlete (laughs) living like a homeless person in a trailer like star athlete didn't have money to get food how do you how do you get your nutrition he wasn't on the football team. So he had to do some side gigs to make money. You know, he got investigated and, you know, because people sold T-shirts that said stop free on it. You know, so it's, the NCAA is, is is a bunch of old geezers ruining sports, man. They need to let these kids play, well, transfer, well, I mean, well, but get some NIL money for crying out loud. If they want to get sponsored by the local heating and air conditioning company and get a couple of, you know, sports cars in the process. Let them have it. But, Brad, you want to know what their fiscal report was for 2022? $940 million generated in revenue by the NCAA. I mean, that, that, just, that, that just tells you right there. I mean, why shouldn't, these college, why shouldn't these college kids get some of that, you know? I mean, yeah. look, they're, they're, like, look, I mean, they are getting, receiving, you know, pretty much a free education. They are receiving great medical and dental and vision benefits and that type of thing. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, University of like Alabama, Florida State, you know, Stanford, UCLA, USC, Michigan, Penn State. I mean, you know, you name any of like Oklahoma, Nebraska, Texas, any of those great big schools out there, man, those schools, they have great education programs in there. And they are like, you know, and the thing about it is to say, so you're able to get a free education. I mean, look, most everybody that's on scholarship is not on a full ride. I mean, they only have so many mm-hmm. full rides per year that they have available. So very few of those, most everybody's on some sort of partial college, like kind of stipend and that type of thing. But there's no reason why some of these college kids shouldn't get some of that money. You know, they, they deserve it. They, they're putting their bodies on the line. You know, I mean, it. you know, they are the 1% of the 1%. Um, yep. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, to circle back to the comment about running backs, look, uh, I forget who it was. I think it was on uh, Shannon Sharp's podcast. And they were talking about, you know, running backs. The reason why they don't get paid anymore is because they actually come out of the game. I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, 
they never get out. They never left the game. You know, Edgerin James, he was in the game, all three downs. Emmett Smith in the game, all three downs. You know, yep. um, Thurman Thomas in the game, all three downs. You know, I mean, John Riggins in there, all three downs. I mean, they stayed in the game. LT, he stayed in the game all game long. They never came out. And so the reason why they're not getting paid is because they're coming up, they come out of the game. So they can, they're being paid as kind of like a specialty player, but they're only getting paid because they're only getting like, you know, half, they're only getting taking 20 snaps. Yeah, I, I just a way in, I think that was one of the things that lost me with uh, being a regular football fan was uh, the specialty players and the uh, losing the intimacy of knowing who your team was and, uh, you know, falling in, in love with certain players because of how they played when, you know, those those guys that would just come in on third and short or third and long and they were the, the swing back or this back or that back or there's two tight ends. No, there's one tight end. No, there's three wide receivers. Now there's one. It, that's, I think, what's been lost with the NFL is too many moving parts and not enough, you know, uh, core values of what it once was. And, you know, going with the concussions, here's a, here's a, uh, the NFL that would sell those VHS tapes on hottest hits, but yet they don't condone that stuff anymore. But yet, it, it, that was something that they made tons of money off of for years and years and years. And then they, they're hypocrites when it comes to, you know, how they handle concussions and things like, well, you created it. You, you made money off of that stuff. So, oh, yeah. you know, my, my diet well, is done with that. No, no. But I mean, go back to what happened with Patrick Mahomes here the other week. If that wasn't Patrick Mahomes, that that happened to with his cracked helmet, mm. they, they would have sat him. Mm -hmm. Right. We all know that if that wasn't Patrick Mahomes, that if that was somebody else, they would have pulled him out of the game and then sat up. Patrick Mahomes, oh no, no, hold on, we gotta stop the game. Right, NFL's right? favorite team, right? You got it right now. Well, look, at that, uh, up right now. look at that Rams uh, Lions game last week when uh, what's his name went low on the receiver and oh, wound up yeah. like blowing his knee out. It was a clean hit, Higby, kind of dirty, but what, like they they don't have. The NFL has made it to where they can't go high to, you know, for fear of penalty. But like, what's your thing, take? I don't know, man. But that's but that's by design. The thing about it is they've taken the they've taken those hits out of the game, right? And okay, Brad, yeah. you and I have talked about this for over a year. The thing about it is, is that quarterbacks are taught to throw the ball at the top or the apex of the jump of the wide receiver, right? So what mm -hmm. happens is, is that when the wide receiver goes up at the top of his jump and catches it up there, he brings the ball down. And the thing about it is, funny story, your head is attached to your shoulder. So the thing about <laughs> it is, funny. you know, the thing is, you bring your shoulders down, your head's coming down with it, right? And so yep. as a, a defensive backs, I mean, the bottom line is, is that we're told to hit, you know, center mass target. Well, guess what? That's your shoulders in, in the midsection, right? Well, the thing about mm -hmm. it is, is that when you're coming down out of a jump, and the thing is, like, people really just don't know how fast these guys are really moving. I mean, people do not really realize how fast somebody that weighs 210 pounds that's moving 4.3 seconds in the 40-yard dash can actually move against somebody else that's going that fast. These guys, and, and so you're going to have these big collisions. And the thing is, I understand about protecting players, no problem with that. But the thing about it is, is that they get ticky-tacky with it. Mm -hmm. You know, this defenseless receiver shenanigans. Like, come on. Like, the thing about it is, is that, you know, and it's not consistent. If it was consistent, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But they're not consistent with it. 
and I'm fine. I'm fine with protecting players. But the thing is, what happened in that Rams game? They went low because now that that's the hit that they're going for. That's the standard. Because they have to. They have to exactly. Hey, uh, you guys want to weigh in real quick on that thing that's going viral from that uh, screenshot of that weather forecast with the uh, the announcement of who the uh, halftime show is going to be at the Super Bowl and who the Super Bowl teams are. Do you, yeah. you guys want to weigh in on that? I mean, it's a meme. Is that you know? How do we know that even came through a broadcast or somebody that's really good with Photoshop? Photoshop, you know, kind of photoshopped a meme and they put it out there. But I, I think we all have our suspicions. We're all gonna think it's rigged, you know, no, no matter what happens here. And you know, uh, it, we'll we'll see what happens, man. I, I think the Ravens are a definite sure shot for at least on the AFC side like they the Ravens look really good you know for sure wise um every aspect of the game is, is pretty much locked in there um NFC I think is still pretty wide open yeah I think so too I don't even watch it but you know <laughs> really come on look look at this I'm reporting live not from Levi Stadium I'm reporting live from Way deep down Candle. in Town. No, Candlestick Park, okay, first of all. Prime, when I was watching uh, the 49ers in the, you know, 95 range, 95 to 2002, I was worried about the Packers, I'm not going to lie. Um, the history between the Packers and the Niners have not been very good for the 49ers. Between 95 and 2002, I think they only beat the Packers one time in the playoffs. Uh, they've always had a hard time against the Packers. I understand it's complete different years, different teams, but that stuff always kind of sticks on. You know what I mean? It, it's just weird how it works. Um, so I'm glad they got through the Packers. I thought that was going to be the tough game for them. Uh, so far, half of your conspiracy theory is still on the run. Detroit pulled it off. I know uh, Tampa Bay just uh, got bounced out like about 10, 15 minutes ago. So uh, I, I don't see them having much trouble with Detroit, but we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm, I'm how's, all for How's Debo? How's Depot? I haven't heard anything. How's his shoulder? Yeah, I haven't heard any update. I know he was, you know, he missed the last game, but um, hopefully they can get him back for, for that game. Uh, but so good for the NFL right now, just thinking about, like, these young quarterbacks. Like, Brock Purdy, he's the shit. Like, he knows what he, you know, he's out there. He's not looking like a mess running in that pocket. He's making moves. He's, you know, same for, you know, um, Stroud, Jordan Love, like this is the future quarterbacks of the NFL. I love to see it. Such great quarterbacks. I was a little disappointed with Stroud. I was hoping they would take out Baltimore because Baltimore is just <laughs> looking unreal. Like, I don't even think the Niners. Yeah, yeah, how about the Niners that, how about that Lamar time. Jackson, huh? 16 yeah. for 22, 152 yards, two touchdowns, and then uh, 11 runs for 102 with two touchdowns a year. I guess you can't play quarterback in the NFL, huh? <laughs> yeah. He looks like vintage Michael Vick, <coughs> minus the dogfighting fellas. Right, I don't want to get right, us right, right. Hey, hey, hey. Right. Come on, Pat. That's just because he embarrassed the federal government in Miami with the weed on the bottom of his Coke can. Come on, yeah. Take yeah. it easy. Take it easy with the dogs. We, we, we're we pet friendly on this. We are pet friendly. Pet friendly guys. That's for sure. Yeah. Jesus, we just because you're from the South doesn't mean you have to fight dogs. Jesus, Brad. I know you grew uh, up like that. But I mean, Brad not... is from Virginia, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, he's got this creepy guy looking over his shoulder the whole podcast. It's starting well, to freak me out. That, that's for the that, that's for the cockfighting later on. Yeah, that's for the cockfighting. I'll let you handle that, Andy. Yeah, hey, with all that, with all that hamburger meat he's showing here, Brad. Here's another thing. Yeah, I know, I know, right? 
It's a kid's show. I got in trouble at work the other show. day because because the taco meat was hanging out. I had to button up my shirt. Jeez, take it easy. We we need female viewers too, please. Hey, <laughs> female viewers of... like the hamburger meat guy. Yeah, I like it. So we're gonna wrap up the sports talk for this week. Uh, we're gonna wind down this episode, Thomas. Want to hit us up with our uh, sponsorship? Sure. This week's album of the week is brought to you by Purchase Street Records, which is located at 53 Pope's Island, Unit 2, New Bedford, Mass. You can also visit them online at PurchaseStreetRecords.com or on their Facebook page. Purchase Street Records is Southern New England's largest independent record store. So quickly, before we go, we're going to talk about the 50th episode. It's going to be a much watch. We've got a lot of people in the queue. A lot of people, uh, hopefully, will uh, make the appearance, some some returning guests, and we're just going to have a great time. We're going to talk like a best of and uh, favorite emails, you know, favorite stuff. Favorite host. Favorite host, things like that. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, we, we'll uh, do a quick uh, round of shout-outs, and we'll send this home. Ed, what do you got? Um, I, I'm really happy to see the uh, Detroit Lions going into the NFC Championship game. I never thought I'd ever see it in my lifetime. Uh, I never thought I'd believe it. I will say it's kind of nice to know that one of the guys that works for the Detroit Lions used to work for the big green machine that I used to work for. Nice to see somebody go on past from uh, the, the company from St. Louis and uh, go on and uh, make it in the NFL. So uh, don't forget Goon Guard, Mouth Guards. I mean, can't forget it, 19... 19- you know, discount code 1973. Check them out. Chris, what do you got? I don't got much for shout outs, man. A pretty uh, low key week this week. You know, I didn't do much. I uh, I worked a little bit and uh, I, I, you know, didn't get out much. It was a very uh, relaxing week for me. All I got to say is let's go Bruins. Brad, what do you got? Uh, the only I have is I was watching the pregames and uh, was it yesterday I think and Gronk mispronounced Brandon Ayuk's name. He called him Ayuke, and I just uh, for some reason I can't let that go. Every time I think about it, it makes me laugh. I don't know how Gronk, you know, CTE meathead is now <laughs> calling football games, but you know this is America. This is what we get now. Yeah. So Ayuk, here we go. All right. Well, my shout-out no, no. shout is to Gary Bettman for continuing to wreck the game. He's screwing up the the All-Star game again by following the NBA's lead, and he's adding celebrity captains to the frigging game. He's got Justin Bieber is going to be with Team Matthews. Will Arnett oh, is with McDavid. Michael Buble is with Team Hughes. And somebody named Tate McRae is with Team McKinnon. But just oh. stick to the game. Let the game speak for itself. Oh, what happened? What has happened to that league? When it comes Hockey to that, was the last unwoke, unHollywood, molested. Yep. It's woke now, baby. They were losing it. So oh. I gotta, I gotta finish this. I'm gonna send it on a po- uh, positive note. I've been up since 5 a.m. I drove to New Hampshire for an eight o'clock game with my daughter. She banged in two more goals. She's at 78 goals this season. Uh, she's on absolute fire. Uh, they asked her to uh, go to the bean pot on Tuesday to watch the girls play. Uh, we're going to be sitting in a luxury box, so I'll be enjoying that. And uh, I just want to say, keep it going, Ken. We're, we're all behind you. I believe in you. We believe in you. We're all behind you. And the Panthers didn't water, so fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being, with that being said, I'm going to 
clean this one up. We're going to move on to episode 50. So later, everyone. Peace See out. You.